The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. While some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all of this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake but not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountaintops, and those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance, to fulfill all that is written. Alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, Straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. There are days that you may have second thoughts about the snow of the Midwest, especially when it begins to get dark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and a little too cold for our hands and feet. To make things worse, 
right in this most unexciting time of the year, the church year approaches its close, and with it we are reminded that our lives are coming to an end, and the world as we know it is headed to destruction. This time of the year really gets us thinking of the bad news. What it is not meant to do is to get us obsessed, worried, or anxious with them. In fact, Jesus' words in our Gospel lesson are meant to do just the opposite, to make you rest and confident and calm. But if you ever wonder why the Church keeps reminding us of the end, year after year, you may want to take this point home. The Church does it so that you can be sure that Jesus is the good news that turns every bad news upside down, even the end of the world. You may have noticed that our conversations about the end of the world and the end of our lives are very much alike. The reason is obvious. Jesus comes in two ways, at the end of our lives or at the end of the world. We simply don't know which end comes first. You may also have noticed that many of these conversations begin, begin with two questions, when and what. These were the questions that the disciples asked Jesus. When will these things be, and what will be the sign? The answer of Jesus disappoints those who are eager for detail. There's no timeline, there's no date, there's no definite sign. All there is are signs, some rather cryptic and vague, and more. Jesus goes back and forth between the signs, making any attempt at chronology vain. So the first thing to know about the signs is that Jesus' words are, are not meant as a threat. They are meant to keep us from being shocked or caught off guard when we notice the world around us in disarray. Jesus says it is necessary that the world goes wrong before he returns to make it right again. But it won't get so wrong that you will be lost. The second thing to know about the signs is that their whole point is Jesus. Jesus is coming again to gift us perfect and everlasting salvation. That's all the signs say, and that's good news. So don't get so caught up in the signs that you lose sight of Jesus, because Jesus is the point. The end times began in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Those three days were the moment of world history. They were the moment after, we, after which the end could come at any time. The first generation of Christians certainly thought they were living the last days. And in a way, they were not wrong. They saw many of the signs Jesus spoke about come true. Jerusalem fallen, the temple destroyed, earthquakes, 
famines, diseases, believers handed over to authorities and giving witness to Jesus. Some were even killed. What they perhaps missed was that these signs are the story of the whole world after Easter. And in some ways, they are especially the story of every generation of Christians until Jesus returns. This is our story as well. Our time is no less challenging than that of the first disciples. We see the signs of the end all around us. We see wars and social upheaval and famine and earthquakes and other natural disasters we fear could hit our home. We suffer diseases and conflict in our family and with our friends. We are tempted to place our trust for security and salvation in other people rather than Jesus when things get hard. That's why we pray for safety and peace and concord and health and good weather and faith. But listen to Jesus. He says, Don't let anything lead you astray, and don't panic, because your body and soul and every last part of you, even the hair of your head, is under my care. I died on the cross to rescue every little bit of you. And if persecutions should come your way because of me, place in your hearts this thought that you won't worry about it. I'll give you words to speak and grace to share my love with those who oppose you. This evil will become your chance to do some good to those around you. And the good news are not over yet. Jesus doesn't call for lonely heroes. All the advice he gives is plural. Jesus doesn't ask you to face hardship alone. He gives his advice to the church because he knows well that you can endure life better if you stay together, go to church, strengthen one another, pray for one another, and lean on one another. And most importantly, Jesus invites you to come to church so that he can feed you with his word and with his body and blood. At this altar you find the strength that will get you through the hard times so that you have nothing to fear when your life crumbles in death. No evil, no violence, no tragedy, no illness, no conflict can overpower the goodness that Jesus gives to you at this altar. And if you think about it, you realize that coming to church is really what you need to get ready for Jesus' return or to your own death. Because in the Eucharist, 
Jesus comes down from heaven with great show at the sound of bells, with angels and all the saints. Heaven meets earth. If the end were to happen, while we kneel at the rail, we couldn't tell the difference between now and then. In the holy name of Jesus.